Welcome back into the Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks podcast. Your humble narrator, Phil Dawson, back with you and reminding you to check out our first sponsor and creator of customizable Shadowbox Cubes. We've already given out a few to listeners and I've received great feedback. And I'd love for you to check out the site and let me know what you think. That site again, etsy.com slash shop slash apes in capes. I have a link in the episode notes, all kinds of fantastic pop culture, iconic moments, games, music, movies, anime, all captured in a great little perfect collectible shadow box. So go browse. Let me know what your favorites are. And again, we are coming up on the holidays. This just might be the thing you're looking for for that fan in your life. Plus, you can get 10% off your order by using the code MAGIC at checkout. Once again, that site, etsy.com slash shop slash apes in capes. Also, reminder, our next five patrons that hit the $100 mark in support will also receive a Urza and Mishra Shadowbox Cube. That's valued at $60. And again, I have up right now ways you can skip to the front of the line and get one just by supporting. Go check it out, patreon.com, search for me. Phil Dawson. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil and Sendai. I love hearing from all of you, and I hope you're ready because we are headed to Phyrexia. Let's go. Chapter 5 Devol stepped through the doorway of dark energy, followed closely by the speaker sent to summon him from his work. He quickly fell to his knees as the heat rolled over him and scorched air burned down into his lungs a caustic and oily brand. Flaring eruptions from the mile-high furnaces lit up the eternal night sky of Phyrexia's fourth sphere, a hellish red-orange spewing tons of ash into the air. High above, a tangle of pipes and mechanisms which formed the underside of the third plane rained down a light mist of oil. The metal rooftop on which Devol rested radiated a near-blistering heat of its own, working its way through Devol's armor and forcing him to stand or roast against the oven temperature plating. Another Phyrexian moved nearby in the shadows cast by a large gout of flame and oily smoke. It looked the part of a monster of chorus and fable skeletal arms and a skull and that terrible grin of sharpened metallic teeth. Its clothes fell over it as a funeral shroud seemingly tattered and ruined. When it moved closer, Naval noticed the clothes' withering movement as the tattered ribbons constantly shifted to cover a new portion of the Phyrexian's body. Instantly he knew that cloth to be alive and integral to the Phyrexian. No doubt this was the most powerful creature he had ever stood witness to. What a magnificent creation! Vol trembled, his strength giving out, and he fell to his hands and knees before its power. The new Phyrexian hissed and screeched something in its own tongue to the speaker. I am Kroll of the Inner Circle. The speaker translated into Devol's language, though with a tortured squelch behind every word. You do not approve of our world, Devol. Devol forced himself to his knees alone, hands already blistered with burns imparted by the searing metal floor. Pain can be controlled, he thought, cursing his weaker flesh. Fear can be controlled. I look upon your world as perfection, 
he answered. But my body is weak. He remembered the Phyrexian term that would describe flawed meat, not yet augmented by artifice. Incomplete. At least his body was no longer dying. The Phyrexians had done that for him, though little more in his 40 years of service. They gave him only enough to keep him alive, allowing him to live out a Corsican native's full years while he helped seeker teams find and uncover treasure troves of lost artifice. More hissing and screeches. I have chosen you to serve in Ethelbo's plans. You will come with me. Krogh lifted his thin arm, braced with metal straps and cords, and summoned another Phyrexian from the shadows behind him. The new beast carried another portal, its fingers already setting stones into place to direct the channel that could step between worlds. It placed a rod upon the ground, and a doorway rose from it. Devol swallowed against the dryness cutting into his throat. The ineffable had summoned him? The Phyrexian Dark God himself? Never before had Devol been allowed past the second sphere, Phyrexia. Here, the fourth almost killed him. Was Krogh leading him to the next sphere? If his death was sought, why not rend him down into the vats? How had he earned such torture? Devol rose on shaky footing to stumble after Krogh, the last vestiges of his courage prompting him onward. There was nowhere to run, not here or never from the Phyrexians. They owned him and had made that clear from the start, though they had not yet to honor any part of their promises to complete him. They kept him alive, but only that. Krogh disappeared into the new doorway. Devol followed, nearly passing out with the final step he took in between portals and planes. By comparison, Davol stepped from the fourth sphere of Phyrexia into paradise. He, Krogh, and the speaker stood on what appeared to be the rim of an extinct volcano. A sharp wind billowed out of Davol's smoldering cape and rustled Krogh's living garments with a rasping sound. Its chill touch brought back to mind the blistering pain in his hands, but Davol set his teeth against the agony while surveying the alien landscape. No sun stood in these overcast skies and likely never did. Blanketed from one horizon to the other, the gray cloud cover glowed evenly with a muted light. Red and orange lightning crackled and leapt in the skies, cavorting to the accompaniment of booming thunder. The ground around them was dull, tan sandstone, fused and smooth as if from intense heat. It flowed out for as far as he could see, interrupted only by the mountain chain that trailed back from the volcano. In a few places nearby, Devol saw the facsimile of boulders, noticing they were little more than sculpted bubbles in the seamless flow of ground. Down inside the caldera, as if raised from an old eruption, stood a magnificent tower fortress. What is this place? He finally asked. This is wrath. The speaker waited for more of Krogh's grinding screeches. It is the instrument of the Dark Lord, a new plane set in the Dominarian Nexus, which will complete his task. Devol stood on a new artificial plane, still in its infancy by the look of it. He brought his hands together in contemplation, fingertips almost touching but mindful of his burns. Turning about, Devol contemplated the entirety of Wrath. His eyes, steel within black, searched the horizon for further signs of life, but found none. I am required here? he asked. You will hold it in stewardship until the ineffable means an heaven card to rule. Krogh must have seen something in Devol's face, for another series of noises spat from the speaker. This does not please you. Duvall studiously blanked his face. No matter his personal feelings, he knew better than to try the Phyrexian's humor. It pleases me greatly, he said, lying only slightly, wounded that they had not simply named him Evancar, with greater authority might have come stronger steps toward his own completion. 
Still, what they offered impressed him, and hadn't his memory for details proven its worth long ago in an administrative position? By expansion, you mean... Krogh's chattering interrupted him, and the speaker quickly translated. Wrath is still growing. It pointed down to the Caldera Fortress. This stronghold taps into Wrath's lava furnaces. The stone is created which continues to expand the borders of this plane, pushing back the energy envelope. Fallstone production must increase, and you must control any dissident trouble. Devol glanced around. Dissidents? A city of slave labor beneath the stronghold. The speaker pointed to the smudge of forest land Devol hadn't noticed before. They were brought over from Dominaria long ago. The Coruscant native thought to ask more about this, but then realized that it no longer mattered. The situation would be as he observed it. Time enough for questions later. What truly mattered would be the resources at his disposal. Already his mind worked at several plans for optimizing production. With a strong gust of wind snapping his cape out from behind him, he folded his hands carefully together and asked, What may I draw upon to complete this job? The Flowstone. Was Krogh's first, not entirely helpful answer. Also Phyrexian troops for keeping order. And the negators. He would have negators at his command? Devol had seen the terrible powers wielded by Phyrexia's elite hunters only once, and that had been enough. Terrible, sinister designs completed for the hunt and destruction of Phyrexia's enemies. Negators, troops, and slave labor, the power swam in his head. He glanced down into the caldera. The stronghold was his to occupy. The Phyrexians withheld the merger of flesh and artifice he craved, but here they had given him a world to rule. Certainly that could bring only opportunities later. He nodded to himself, eager to get to work. The Phyrexians would know his worth. Nothing would be left to chance. Negators, he said. I wouldn't have thought the locals strong enough to warrant them, but they are most welcome. There was a pause for translation, and then Krogh shook his cleft skull in a human gesture of the negative. He chattered a new flurry of squeals and hisses. A clammy hand clutched at Devol's heart, forewarning him that whatever the negators were for, the problem would not be so simple as he wished. The negators are not for you to control the back, the speaker said. They are for the protection of wrath itself, for the destruction of the only one who might upset the Dark One's plans. You, Devil, are to assist me. You will hunt down and destroy Urza Planeswalker. In the stronghold, Krog walked unattended through the wide hall that led to the throne room. The lower steel bands of his robes brushed the flowstone floor on occasion, smearing a glistening band of light oil wherever they touched. A set of pipes followed the corridor at shoulder level, radiating heat. His hidden footfalls, eerily silent, left behind only scratches and pits in the floor. The doors to the throne room were of thick metal set on tracks that led back into the tan walls. They rolled away to the accompaniment of dry metal grinding, a sound which angered Krogh, telling of the neglect by Wrath's current steward. Devol he had left behind, the member of Phyrexia's inner council preferring to come alone. The Coruscant native would be singularly useful in the administration of Wrath, but he was weak, meat, and would only be a liability in this encounter. Nothing could be allowed to threaten Krogh's newest plans, not even Korald. I have been expecting a Krogh. Yes. Korald hissed when Krogh stepped into the dimly lit throne room. 
A Phyrexian overseer, Korald had been brought to Wrath to steward the expansion of the artificial plane. He had failed. The overseer sat on the room's large metal throne, hunching back into the seat of authority as if physical contact would improve his ability to hold the position. His legs remained tensed, the fibrous muscle that showed between the gaps of his armored skin coiled and bunched. His articulated hands grasped the arms of the throne, each finger ending in a razor-sharp talon. He had mandibles instead of teeth, each one dripped a viscous substance that would burn meat and pollute blood. A single eye stared out from the middle of a large armored skull. Krog worked his way farther into the room, but kept an appreciable distance from Korald. The overseer was not about to go easily. Wrath is still behind schedule. You failed. Failure carried only one sentence with Phyrexians. Failure implied imperfection. Imperfection had to be corrected. Korald tilted his head to one side, a serpentine tongue flicked out to clean the metal-tipped mandibles. You bring a fungal body to replace me? No, I do not think that is so. From the floor to both sides of Krog, the flowstone softened and bulged up into two large cylinders. These quickly hardened into spears and drove unnearingly toward Krog's body. They were too slow. Coral's mastery of the flowstone, while impressive for its control, lacked any real power. Krog's skeletal arms flashed out in blurring speed, smashing aside the lances that shattered into stone fragments and chips. This was only the prelude to an attack, however. The chamber lights flickered out, plunging the throne room into darkness as Coralt sprang for Krog. The inner circle member slashed out blindly, his razor-tipped fingers slicing easily into Coralt's carapace even as the overseer smashed into him. Krog's robes of steel bands absorbed a great deal of the impact, allowing him to keep his feet and slip away from the enraged Korald. Krog's eyes burned brightly now, filling the normally empty eye sockets of his skull with an unfocused reddish light. The darkness retreated before his completed eyesight. There was the actual Throne of Wrath, and the doors he picked out of the broken cylinders of flowstone, and the broken pieces scattered about, but no Korald. Where would he go? Krog turned a slow circle, his steel bands rubbing together. He had to be here. Coral's only opportunity was to kill Krog here and now, so prove his superiority, earn his ascendance. Ascendance. Coral fell from his overhead holds even as Krog snapped his attention to the ceiling. The member of Phyrexia's inner council saw the handholds crafted into the stone above, prepared, no doubt, for this occasion. The same blinding motion he had shown himself capable of before, Krog shot his arms up to bear the brunt of Coral's attack. The other Phyrexian's claws ripped past the steel bands this time, digging down into the wire cord muscles. The overseer bit in with mandibles to pierce his victim's shoulder. Krog's right arm fell useless, the shoulder flaring in a deep pain as Korald's venom disrupted the mixture of glistening oil and serum that all members of the inner council relied upon for blood. The overseer's attack then turned against him as his own weight tore the mandibles from Krog's shoulder. He scrambled to get to his feet beneath him, landing awkwardly. Here, Krog struck back, snapping forward to sink his own polished steel teeth into Korald's. No poisonous discharge, but it held Korald fast and left him unable to use his best weapon. Krog's left hand flashed outward and then in, talons piercing the overseer's right arm and driving farther into his body to pin it into place. Steel bands snapped at Krog's mental command, some whipping out to wrap around the legs in the overseer's one free arm. Others snapped back and forth, flailing at the trapped Phyrexian their razor edges methodically scoring and slicing past Coral's armored skin. The lesser Phyrexian screamed his rage and pain, thrashing about desperately for release. 
Drogue's eyes burned more sharply now, their unfocused fire coalescing into twin coals that began to sear into the side of Korald's head. It was a second pulse, and a third. Each time, the searing rays burned deeper. On the fourth, Korald quit straggling and simply hung in Drogue's deadly embrace, feeble tremors shaking his body. On the sixth pulse, the Overseer's scream gave out. The tremors stopped. Krogh was not finished. The Phyrexian kept up his efforts, fiery pulses boring into Korald's head while the razor bands sliced deeper. He waited until his artifice-bonded cells repaired themselves and he regained use of his right arm. Krogh brought up both hands to crush Korald's carapace skull. Flesh brains pulped out. You did not think Korald. The Phyrexian finally said, responding to the Overseer's comment before the attack. He threw aside the ruined skull and walked toward the throne while the steel bands of his robe re-knitted themselves. No, Wrath needed something else beside an overseer's hard-handed rule. Davol, was he the key to the upkeep of Wrath and the destruction of Urza Planeswalker? Perhaps Davol's mental power suited him for administration and perhaps a fresh outlook might solve the puzzle of how to kill the Planeswalker. Rogue certainly needed to find some answers. He had not forgotten his master's commands or the punishment that awaited him if he failed. At least Duvall would be much easier to control. Krogh knew complacency would be a common downfall of even the most powerful Phyrexians. Could Duvall be dangerous? The Phyrexian inner council member could not see how. Duvall had yet to show any ambition except in the matter of his completion. That could never be allowed to happen, not fully. Duvall would be kept alive so long as he proved useful, so long as he was kept motivated. What mortal did not fear death? In the darkness of the stronghold, Krogh seated himself upon Wrath's throne.